Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Paul tracking down Brandon Marcello, who will join us here at 415. John Wilner and again, J.J. Joe. Phil Bennett at the top of the hour at 5 o'clock. Yeah, one thing I wanted to roll back around, around, roll back around, on Kim's uh, text about Texas Tech, it's not as good, like as as he thought maybe, or as, as certainly as many Texas Tech fans or just media in general thought as well. I was going to add on to that, like they do play Houston at home this week, so you would think that that's a winnable game even with the quarterback situation sure. because Houston's just kind of eh right now. But after that, at one and three, like they'll be, they should be two and three. But you know what their schedule is like after that? They play at Baylor. They play at Baylor, so okay, like who knows there. But, I mean, I think that's like two teams that are probably on some equal footing in in some ways. But then they got K-State. They're going to Provo. They got TCU. They go to Lawrence. They got UCF. And then they go at Austin or or at Texas in Austin to close it out. So, yeah, these next couple weeks for Tech, they need to try to get back to 500 because those last six weeks, you're going to Provo, you're going to Lawrence, you're going to Austin, and then your home games are K-State, TCU, and UCF. So that's that's a dangerous second half of the season if you're not careful, if you're Joey McGuire and company. So uh, definitely need to, to grab a couple of these, these not gimmies, but more winnable games that you have these next couple of weeks. All right, here's a couple of uh, tweets as we wait on Brandon Marcello. <clears throat> this one from Joseph Duarte of the Houston Chronicle on Dana Holgerson. And Mike Leach, of course, is going to be uh, uh, memorialized coming up this weekend at the game against Texas, inducted into the Hall of Fame at Texas Tech. We know about how it ended. We know how that was uh, just a bad deal all the way around. But Holgerson saying he kind of gives credit uh, to Joey McGuire and the administration for making this happen. And Holgerson uh, we discussed that with him when we were at Big 12 Media Days. I think he's excited about the fact he's going to be there, too, because of the connections he has to Mike Leach. So there's that with Texas Tech and Houston. It's going to be kind of a, a surreal. Very emotional, but surreal. Like The first response from that tweet was, okay, are they going to pay his family the money? Because that's going to be brought into it. I think this is more about that. That That is something on the side. I get it. But uh, it is neat that Mike Leach will be honored finally at Texas Tech. Hate the fact that it came after the fact he passed away last fall. Yeah, I mean, Dana seemed, I guess part of him seemed um, 
excited by the idea. He, I mean, I know he partially was joking as well, but he definitely didn't like the fact, I think, too, that he was going to be there because he's going to be emotional, and he wants to just go play a football game. And instead, this man that he knew and cared for and coached with and all these things, that's going to be a part of the backdrop. And so I think he's looking to avoid the emotional stuff, and yet that's going to be right there in front of his face in Lubbock. And so he kind of was snickering at the idea of, like, of course they scheduled it for – when I'm going to be up there. Um, but, yeah, I think in the end he'll probably enjoy uh, being a part of that experience as, as um, distracting or as emotional as it might be. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's fitting that, you know, a former Leech guy is going to be there as the opponent on the uh, night that they're honoring him or inducting him. So I think it's uh, long overdue and, and a good move. Brandon Marcello, 247 Sports, joins us, national writer and columnist, covers college football with us on 365 Sports. Brandon, thank you for your time. What are your thoughts right now? The Colorado bubble burst in the game against Oregon, and that was emphatic. Who else, If and, and there's still a story, but is there another story in college football that you think that has been overlooked so far the first month of the season? Uh, I, well, I don't know if, if Penn State's been overlooked, but I think Penn State looks actually like a national title contender for the first time under James Franklin. They've been on the precipice, it seems like. But to me, they, in every single game, they just have what it takes in the trenches, defensively, and they've got that quarterback finally that they've been needing for the last six to seven years to get over that hump. And, you know, listen, um, those top three teams in the Big Ten, they're everything right now, and they're all – legitimate playoff contenders and we haven't been able to say that in the big 10 ever it's only always been michigan michigan and ohio state in the playoff era and i think penn state's legitimate this year what did you take away from ohio state's win that was very gritty against notre dame i mean they've done that in the past but maybe not necessarily under ryan day in that fashion yeah you know everybody's talking about the the physicalness and the toughness or whatever and you know, listen. Maybe Notre Dame should have brought Lou Holtz out for the eleventh player on the field for that that last that last play. Maybe they could have stopped Ohio State. But um, you know, listen. I I don't know about this storyline of Ohio State not being tough enough. I mean, last year they looked the part. I mean, they took Georgia down to the wire. Uh, maybe should have beaten them uh, even without Marvin Harrison. So I I, I think listen that Ohio State is legit, and I think the kind of storyline they're not physical enough. We pick and choose kind of what, what the, the situation is there. Listen, Ohio State, they've lost to Michigan and practically no one else. You know, I think still uh, there's some hangover there from Oregon going into their house, you know, a couple of years ago and beating them and being more physical. But I don't think Ohio State's got, a, got an issue with their identity up front. Brandon, has uh, Alabama figured it out after the win over Ole Miss, or is this just going to be kind of a week-by-week thing, you think, offensively, where they just find a way to put it together and lean a lot on their, that defensive side of the ball? Yeah, it's going to be week-to-week still. I mean, he, I mean, listen, Jalen Milrow was still missing some throws in that game. Um, that, that offense is still going to be herky-jerky week-to-week. But I will say they seem to have figured some things out about how to utilize the tight ends. And listen, Tommy Reese, the offensive quarter from Notre Dame, that's, that was his bread and butter at Notre Dame. It seems like he's figuring that out with the personnel there at Alabama. But, you know, listen, they're, they're, they've got another loss or two probably on that schedule um, potentially. But, you know, the SEC West is wide open um, in my opinion, but Alabama is just not in that, that upper echelon of maybe being a top four or really even a top six team. And uh, the, the reason for that is because that offense is going to be heckle, you know, Dr. I think Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde all, all season. 
Do you believe in USC that they're better? Like they were good last year. Then obviously were beaten by Tulane in the bowl game. But do you see them as any better than they were a year ago? I, I watched Arizona State, and I still see some things that seem to be chinks in the armor. Yeah, there certainly are. Uh, and I wonder about their concentration. It's like they just thought they'd go on the road against a Power 5 team and beat them. And you can't do that in college football. I don't care how talented you are. Um, you know, I listen, uh, there might be two teams better than USC in their own conference in Pac-12, and that being Washington and Oregon. I, I think Washington, I've been high on them all year. I had them pick, I think, number three in my poll uh, a week ago. I still have them there right now. Washington's the best team in the Pac-12 by far right now. They've got the best quarterback, too, in Michael Penning. That guy is extremely deadly accurate. Some of the throws he makes are otherworldly guys. Caleb Williams is ex- extremely talented, but I do wonder about just the concentration of everything. And Listen, that's kind of in the DNA of Lincoln Riley's teams. Like Every year, there's like two games on the schedule that just seems like they come out flat. And sometimes it's in the big games, including the Red River rivalry, as you guys have seen in the past. So I, I, I've got a lot of questions about that team. I, I think they're extremely talented, but I, I do wonder if they're going to be able to keep up that level of focus week to week. Brandon, who has been the most disappointing to you so far? Um, Bama. I, I think it's Bama. I, it, that <laughs> offense, I thought would be much better than what it is. I didn't say. I think I thought it was going to take a step, half a step back from last season, but it, it's just been very disappointing. And then right behind them, to be quite honest, is Texas A and M. Um, and they both of those teams still, I think, will contend for the SEC West championship, but. You can't lose the way you did against Miami and expect people to sit there and go, oh, well, they still have a lot of games to play. They, they could potentially be a SEC uh, champion. It does, doesn't look like it, even if they are a contention. It's just there's a lot of teams in the SEC West that can contend for an SEC West championship, but are they really top ten teams? I don't know. I really don't know. I mean – we might still be overrating Alabama, to be quite honest. Even with them just being in the top 15, we might still be overrating them. And there's a note, by the way, A&M loses their quarterback for at least two to four weeks. That's an update on the injury from the game against Auburn on Saturday. And I like Max Johnson, guys. I really like him. Um, I probably looked better, obviously, in the second half against Auburn with him out there. You know, listen, Connor may have lost his job by getting injured. It's going to be interesting to follow him the next month. So, Brian, I saw you put out to your own uh, rankings each week, your own top 30, and you had the Knowles. Uh, talk about the Knowles on top. They obviously <laughs> have had a, a couple of, you know, games that weren't the, the sexiest outcomes, but they got the job done and they got the big, you know, monkey off their back with the, the Clemson win this past weekend. Uh, as you pointed out, like, those are just some of the types of games you're going to have to win along the way, right, to, to become a playoff team, become a championship team. What are your thoughts about where FSU sits as this first month winds down? Yeah, you guys know this. Every team, every year that ends up being a national champion, practically, they have a game where a lot of things have to come together and they just have to escape by the, the, the skin of their teeth. For Georgia last year, it was in the playoff against Ohio State. Florida State had a pretty difficult schedule here in these first four weeks. And say what you will, there is something to be said mentally about having that losing streak against Clemson and having to go on the road and do it. Yes, the field goal kicker who was retired came back and missed the field goal for Clemson, and Florida State had to rally to win. But not just that, but Clemson had lost only one game at home under Dabo 
where they led by double digits at one point. And that happened last year against South Carolina. And then it hasn't, and it happened again against Florida State. Florida State had to come back from double digits and they had to find ways to score one defensively on a scoop and score, for example. Florida State's just got it, guys. They've got the talent. They've got the moxie. They know when it sees opportunity. People seem to think that's luck, but when there's no opportunity, you have to take advantage of it. Too many teams don't. They end up punting the ball after getting a turnover or getting good field position. Florida State didn't have to do that in the second half, and they really controlled that game after halftime, and that's what championship teams do. Florida State's in the driver's seat in the ACC, and as a result, they are a top-four team. And to me, because of resume, the way they have won, the pieces they all have, to me right now, they deserve to be number one. Brandon, uh, I'm a Florida State alum, and those are as close to sweet nothings as you can ever say to me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, on the other side of that with Clemson, I'm kind of curious as to why Dabo Sweeney has veered off into his – I'm going to do it this way and no other way era when he used to be loose and fun and innovative. Yeah, great question. And I thought he was kind of opening himself back up a little bit when he fired Brandon Streeter, one of his guys as the OC and brought in Garrett Riley. And also maybe looking at the transfer portal a little bit harder and actually getting guys that he needs, but he hasn't quite done that. And the offense, not necessarily has improved all that much. I mean, Kay Club next to the top-tier elite quarterback. I think this offseason, guys, is going to be critical in how we view the Dabo Sweeney era um, at Clemson. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame coach, no doubt, but you don't want to peter out in the last three to five years of your tenure there. You want to keep this thing going, get back to the playoff at some point in these next five years, and I think to do that, he's got to open himself up and utilize that transfer portal. I know everybody's saying that. That's the easy thing to do just to say, yeah, it's going to the portal and fill your holes on, on that offense or defense. But listen, it's true. They haven't done it. I mean, they have amounted to getting two transfers in the transfer portal era, and they amount to what are pretty much just walk-on quarterbacks. A former Clemson quarterback who transferred Northwestern that they brought back on the team. I mean – these are guys that are not providing any help on your offense where you need better receivers. You need some better depth in the offensive front. And uh, Dabo better kind of wake up and see that transfer portal is not going anywhere. NIL is not going anywhere. And yes, you can do things the way you want to, but to a certain extent, you got to open yourself up and, and adapt with the times. Brandon, uh, looking at the Big 12 real quick, uh, Texas obviously seems to be the, the class of the league in Oklahoma. You can make an argument for them right now as well. Great news is we'll get to see those two play here in a couple of weeks. Um, outside of that, I guess the Kansas schools are, are sort of in the mix, but what have been your thoughts on what has been a disappointing Big 12 as far as just the quality depth goes? And do you see this as being a two, three horse race? If that, what are your, kind of your thoughts as, as these first four games have unfolded? Yeah, here's just my stream of consciousness on all this. What the hell happened to Texas Tech? Yeah. I, I, they had the most disappointing team in the Big 12 to me. I thought they were a legit potential contender in the conference, and they, they just looked nothing like it. What's happened to Baylor's defense? Um, I, I think that they're going to get better in the next couple of weeks, especially when Blake gets back at, at quarterback. But, yeah, it's Texas and OU, and I think everybody else beyond that. And there's certainly tears to all of that. Um, also this, and listen, I know not a lot of people are talking about them, but Houston not being all that good this year, and they haven't really left there. I saw a tweet today from Joseph Duarte yep. uh, that they, they've only traveled a total of 10 miles to play in the first four weeks of the season. What are they going to look like when they get on the road in a true road game in the Big 12 this year? I, I've got some concerns there. So, 
So yeah, I, I, listen. I know Texas is under a microscope. They're going to be criticized or praised for every little thing they do, right or wrong. But Texas is about as complete of a team in the conference this year. I think OU's just behind them. And hey, how about that OU defense showing up here this first month of the season? Uh, very impressed with that. And, I, and that perhaps that's maybe the one thing we're not talking about enough about the top tier Big Twelve teams. That OU defense. Has, has been night and day since last season. By the way, Houston has not left, so they've traveled zero miles, Bay, uh, 10 miles to Rice. Baylor has not left Waco, and they're about to go to Orlando to play UCF, and Houston's headed to Lubbock, so they're both going to cross each other as they head completely <laughs> in opposite directions. Brandon, we appreciate it as always. Uh, always busy. Great stuff. We appreciate your time being a part of 365 Sports when you can. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Brandon Marcello, 247 Sports, with us on 365 Sports. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.